Want to experience Christ United like never before? Download our app today. You can watch live and previous messages, take sermon notes, get calendar updates, find giving options, and more. Just go to your app store and search Christ United. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on our church, check out ChristIsLove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Good morning, Christ United! Uh, My name is Jeff. I'm lead pastor here. I want to ask you if God has been good to you, give him what he deserves, right? Yes! Yes! Um, As we go into this sermon that's faith-focused, I want to tell you a couple of stories. One is about um, Kenneth and Phyllis. Uh, You may know them, the Gilliards, uh, awesome folks. Um, They uh, were invited to this opportunity Um, to which they said yes. Um, And I sent them a text recently that said this. uh, Essentially, I meant to have it with me to read it to you. But the text uh, that I sent to them said, I've been praying for you, and I feel an excitement even in heaven about what God is getting ready to do. They are stepping into leading a ministry here at Christ United, brand new for us, that's going to help create teams that are more exciting and more compelling and more powerful um, than we've ever had before. Um, The dream team is the team that they're putting together to start this. It's going to be phenomenal. I was so excited about it. But what it took for them to step up to that and say yes. For them to be able to step up past some things like Phyllis's back issues and other issues and time investments and everything else. But they stepped into a place where where Kenneth and Phyllis are getting ready to embark on something that is going to change the face of Christ United. It's going to make an eternal impact. And as I was praying, I was hearing God saying, man, people's lives are going to be dramatically changed because of Phyllis and Kenneth. Then I want to tell you another story. Um, It's about... A little guy, just a little guy in our church who goes back to our fifth grade class. um, And in his school class, um, he was talking about the fact that there's a a kid there who's a really popular kid, a bit of a bully kid, but a popular kid. And the the popular kid had a big party that he was going to have at his house. And this little 10-year-old was telling me I was invited to his party. And he said, and I was so excited to be invited to his party because if he decided he didn't want me to his party, I wouldn't be popular. I wouldn't be able to be a part of things. And he said, I'm so glad that I was invited to his party. And then he told me about another little kid in their class who wasn't invited to the party. He has a speech impediment. He's, he's shorter than the other kids in the class. He has nervous tics and, and things that happen in this little kid's heart. Uh, and, and so... This little 10-year-old told me that this other kid wasn't going. I said, well, what do you think that God wants you to do about that? And he said, well, I don't know. I said, well, what do you think? He said, well, I guess that I shouldn't go if he doesn't go. But if I don't go, I won't be popular. And I said, well, what about if you stand up to the kid and say, look, I'm not going if he doesn't go. He said, I'll get hit. He really did. He says, I'll get hit. I don't want to get hit. You know, he hits people. You know, I'm going like, wow, you know. And so this kid, make a long story short, Talked to him about a week later. He said, you know what I did? He said, I was in class, and they were talking about the party. And, and he said, and I just said, I'm not going unless, and I'll just call the kid Freddie. I'm not going unless Freddie goes. And he said, you don't believe what happened? He said, what happened was another kid there said, I'm not going unless Freddie goes either. And before you know it, this kid had invited Freddie. <laughs> Is that awesome? 
that awesome? And I'm going like, what sets it apart? Why is it that some people experience God doing things in their lives and through their lives and for their lives, and, and they experience God doing great things? And right now, I just want you to fill in blanks. If you're doing the fill in the blank, and it'll just be fun, maybe you won't because there ain't any blank up there. All right, let me, let me see. I'm going to give it just a second and just see. No, it's not going to be there. This is going to be fun. We're going to have fun. You ready? Whoa, look at that. Hot dog. Way to go. You guys rock. God gives us all the opportunity, all of us, the opportunity to experience him doing great things in us and through us and for us. Agreed? He wants to do things in us, through us, and for us. All of us are given these great opportunities by God. Some people experience the greatness of God's purposes and other, and, um, and other lives. No. God... Help me. Some experience the greatness of God's purposes and others live lives of miserable mediocrity, right? How many people know that? How many people know that most people simply live until they die, right? That's it. It's just mediocre existence. Their excitement is watching HGTV and finding out what the property brothers are up to. Oh my goodness, how sad. But in any case, living lives of mediocrity, and then the difference in those who experience God's greatness and those who don't is in the focus of their hearts and their minds and their attention. And we're going to learn about this as we look in the book of Numbers in chapters 13 and 14, and you'll be able to follow along on the screen, follow along in your Bibles, please. You're going to love it. You've been reading. How many people have been doing your reading every week? You've been doing that? Awesome. How many people have been still doing soap? The scripture observation application prayer. Oh, guys, you got to do it. You got to use soap every day or you stink. Go back, look up soap, start using it. You'll love it. It's going to make a difference. But, but you've already been reading this. You're going to read it um, in weeks to come if you haven't yet. It's beautiful and powerful story. But let me give a little background and history first. Back in Exodus chapter 3, verse 17, if you were doing your reading, you read that God made a promise to the people of Israel. He said, I'm going to bring you out of the misery of your slavery in Egypt, and I'm going to bring you into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. In other words, a land that's prosperous and beautiful and wonderful. And now, at this point, as we enter chapter 13 of the book of Numbers, they are standing across the river from that promised land. They're all gathered. They're, they're, well, they're in the desert on this side. On the other side is the promised land. And they're getting ready to be challenged to step over and receive and take the land that God had promised them. And I understand this. This was like, if you think about World War II with the Nazis, when, when the Allied forces went in to liberate people, this was such an evil people that inhabited this land. They were so permeated with evil that there weren't even any people to liberate, only the land. It was, if you take Hitler and the evil that was at work within Hitler, um, you'll hear the Nephilim mentioned in this passage. Many people believe that the Nephilim were actually where demonic fallen angels actually cohabitated with uh, or, or they actually copulated with, with human beings and the Nephilim were the result. Now, some people believe that's what they were and others say, no, not that, but here's what the truth was, is these people were saturated with evil. But they weren't only saturated with evil, they were enormously powerful people that inhabited this land. So they're on one side, they're getting ready to cross over into this promise that God had for them of this great stuff that God was going to do in them, through them, and for them. 
But they were facing this land and not really knowing what's going to happen next. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what happens in Numbers chapter 13 all the way through verse 26. Here's what happens. Moses is told, he, he says, I want you to get a leader from every one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so he picked these guys. And, and the guys that were picked, one of them was named Shemua. And another one was um, uh, Shaphat. And, and, and another one was Egal. And another one was Filthy. Um, and another one was uh, Guiel. And then there was another one named just Gui. You know, and there, there was an, a, another named Amiel. And another one that was named... Uh, like uh, Nobby. And, and then as you look at these guys, do you recognize any of those names? Like you don't see them in baby books. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't, you don't see any of those people there. Um, you don't see Guel, but you see some names in baby books these days of two names, Joshua. You ever heard of that name? Now his name was Hoshea, but he was called Joshua by Moses. Another one was named Caleb. Now, Joshua and Caleb, like the two people I used in the illustration at the beginning of this, were people who experienced God doing great things in them, through them, and for them, and their lives counted, and they made a difference. But all the other, 11, all the other 10 of those 12 people died without ever experiencing God doing those things in them and through them. And so what they did is they, they didn't even live lives of mediocrity. They actually died um, and a plague as a result of what happened for them. And here's, here's what we learn about what they did. Those 12 guys were sent in to spy out the land. They were supposed to find out what the land looked like. And here's what Moses told them. He said, I want you to go through the Negev and I want you to go up into the hill country. So go through the lower end of the south and go up into the hill country. And as you go up into the hill country, he said, I want you to look and I want you to see what kind of land is it. I want you to see what the people are like. Are they large or small? Are they few or many? Uh, I want you to look at the land. What's it like? What are the cities like? Are they fortified? Um, are they walled cities? And I want you to look at what kind of land is it? Is it fertile land or is it, or is it, is it bad land? Is it, do they have trees or not have trees? And they said, try to bring back some of the fruit of the land because it was time for the grape harvest to come in. And so Moses sent them to gather all this information. What Moses was telling them is, I want you to see all the opportunities that God is giving to us. So what's the land like? How fertile is it? What are the good things? Well, I want you to see the opportunities, but I also want you to see what the opposition and the obstacles look like. Are the cities walled? Is there, are there big, strong people there? You know, I want you to see both. And so they went and they saw both. And then they came back and they actually did bring some of the fruit of the land. It was, it was a, a cluster of grapes that was so big they had to hang it on a pole between two of the guys when they were carrying it back into the camp. And so by the time you get back into around verse 25 and 26, they're coming back to the camp. They've been away for 40 days. They've been spying out this land that God had promised to give them. And he was saying, I'm going to give you something beautiful, and it's going to be wonderful, and I'm going to do great things in you, for you, and through you. Um, and, and they've gone out and seen it. Now all 12 of them are coming back, and they're going to give a report to Moses and to Aaron and to all the people of Israel that were gathered there. And what's interesting is this is all of them had seen the same thing. Please tune into this. All of them had seen all of the opportunity. And all of them had seen how fruitful the land was and how beautiful it was and how great it was and what good possibilities there were, all the opportunities. All of them had also seen all of the opposition 
and all the obstacles, the walled cities, the big, strong, scary people that were like giants. You know what I'm saying? So they had seen all that. They had all seen the same thing. But what set them apart was what they focused on. These two guys had a focus, and that focus was above and beyond. That focus was on God and what was beyond the obstacles. But for the, the, the other ten, they saw the same thing, but now they focused on the obstacles, and they focused on the opposition. Their focus was below and even behind, they started thinking about wanting to get out of here. And I want to go back to my old self because, because these obstacles have got me afraid. The focus is what makes the difference. In the same way, listen, you're going to see the opportunities that God has to do great things in you and for you and through you. You're going to see all the possibilities of what God could do, the opportunities he's given you. You're also going to see the obstacles and the opposition. and You're going to see the difficulties. The question is, is what you're going to focus on? What are you going to focus on? So watch first what happens with these guys. In verse 27, if you're reading along in chapter 3, in verse 27 it says this. These are what the ten spies, other than Joshua and Caleb, this is what the ten said. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. We see the opportunity. It's a great opportunity. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there, and, and, and that's uh, Anakim, um, his descendants. He was part of the Nephilim, and, and it was said earlier, you may have read it, that who can stand against them? These are giant people who are evilly inhabited. You know what I'm saying? I mean, evil giant people. It's like Hitler was such a little squirt. It'd be like Hitler at nine feet tall, you know? It'd be like this evil, powerful people. We saw them there. And I thought back to my little 10-year-old. This little 10-year-old is looking at me going like, do you know how big he is? You know what I'm saying? He might hit me. It's scary, the opposition that's in there. As a matter of fact, he might disinvite me to his party. Do you realize the consequences of that? Do you realize how many obstacles there are right now between me and doing something like that? I mean, this is big, right? Kenneth and Phyllis, do you realize the obstacles? I mean, I've got, I'm working, working all through the night, and I've got the, I, I, my time schedule is really tough, and, and, and Phyllis, I've had back surgery, and there's, there's all kinds of reasons and all kinds of obstacles, but worse yet, we don't know anything. Phyllis and Kenneth are saying, we don't know anything about the system of the church and how it runs, and they're going to have to be experts on everything. They've never even been introduced to Connect Point, which is our database management system they don't know the first team within our church and they're going like we've been a part of this church but we don't know all the intricacies and we're now being called to a level to where we're going to be helped leading staff they're going to help lead staff you mean i'm being called to lead staff i'm i'm called to actually help staff get things done and and lead on that level look at all i don't know right now does everybody get the picture how many people begin to see the obstacles that are in your way. That's the way it was for these guys. They're, they're focused on the obstacles. And in the same way, when we're fear-focused, we focus below and behind. We look at what's down here. We look at ourselves and our weakness. We look at what's down here, all the obstacles and the, obs uh, 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 all the, obstacles and the opposition that are around us. And we begin to start thinking about, no, I want to back up. I want to kind of get away from this. I want to go back to what I was doing, you know. I don't want to step into this. It's too scary. And that focus... 
takes us in the wrong directions. We see the size of the God-given opportunities. Who knows how that is? I see the opportunities, but we focus on the size of the obstacles and the opposition and our weakness compared to our adversaries. And if you begin to focus on those things, then guess what happens? You, yes, you see the opportunity of what it would be like to be debt-free. It, I could be debt-free. Wouldn't that be cool? And how many people have ever dreamed about being debt-free and been to have a generous giving? I'd love to be free of debt and give generously. Anybody besides me, you ever dreamed of what it'd be like? And you know how we usually think that's going to happen is Reader's Digest sweepstakes or Powerball, right? <laughs> but when we realize the obstacles between here and there, how big the debt is that I'm already under, how much the payoff is on my car or my house, and how much work it's going to take and how hard it is, and I begin to see the obstacles and what happens. Pretty soon you're looking below and you're looking behind and all of a sudden you're backing off from something that could have been so powerful and so beautiful. You might, how many people have ever thought, for my body, whatever my body is, I don't care if you're missing an arm or I don't care if you've got, got, got um, arthritis or whatever it is, but have you ever thought, what would it be like for me to be an optimal help for the body God's given me? What would it be like to be right there strong and, and, and living it out? You know what I'm saying? What if I could do the most with myself, like, like a paraplegic doing an Olympic event in a wheelchair? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean what is it? What would it be like if I could just do that, if I could just move? And you could dream of that. You can dream of that. And you're sitting there on the couch eating your, your, your cheese puffs, and you're going, oh, it would be awesome, you know. I could just envision myself, you know. But then when you begin to think about how much weight I've got to lose and how, how much work it's going to be, and everybody knows what I'm talking about, and pretty soon you focus on the obstacles and you focus on the opposition, and pretty soon you're looking below and you're looking behind and you're backing up from the thing that God was going to do in your life. And especially when it comes to doing something God-sized, man, when you're going to be a part of his plan and you're going to be used by him to do something like that 10-year-old did in his class, like Kenneth and Phyllis are, are doing in this church, and you're thinking, when I look at something God-sized, I really begin to start looking inward and start going like, man, no way. When I, consider, when I consider how much there is to know and how little I know, when I consider how much there is to know in the Bible and how inadequate I feel, when I, when I realize my, you know, you're probably thinking to yourself, I think about my sin, and I think about my, my weaknesses, and I think about my lack of education, or I think about my whatever, you know, I can't do it. And so when you're focused below and behind and that focus is on the obstacles and on your own weaknesses compared to your adversaries, right? And you're just in that place where it's like, man, I just start backing away. And so how many people here have never done anything, man? You aren't even in a C group. The basic. You aren't even in a C group much less stepping out to start a new C group for somebody who needs a believer in their life to help them grow. You aren't doing anything. Why? Because when I start thinking about how much time it's going to take, the obstacles, when I think about the challenges of getting my schedule to work, obstacles, right? When I think about my own weaknesses that are inadequacies or the mistakes that I make, and I would be ashamed for people to know just how messed up I really am, Right? And you back off and you're not used by God. Now, here's what happens. With a fear focus on the things below, we lose our courage and return to the slavery, slavery and mediocrity behind us. Listen to what happened to those folks that were focused on fear focus. It says this. They said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. 
And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. And we saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. And we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. That night, the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness Why is the Lord bringing us into this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. You get the picture? All of a sudden it's like, you just choose to go back into the misery of your slavery. You go right back into your stinking addiction. Because you think about what a big thing it would be for you to have to cut out of work and sign up for a treatment program and be gone for 30 days. It's too big, right? So let me just slip right back into my addiction. Let me just go back into the comfort zone of my misery. Because of that, you slip into the slavery of your obesity or the slavery of your miserable marriage or the slavery of your complacency, you just go back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like you go back and you just don't ever step out into something that really matters, to something that's beautiful. And so starting in verse 5, and we're in chapter 14 now, but in, in, in verse 5 what happens is, is, and we aren't doing it on the screen, but, but Moses says, look, here, here's the thing. He's breaking down he and Aaron just break down they fall down in front of the people and then the next thing you know Joshua and Caleb they like try to intercede and they say come on guys we can do this thing and they're trying to trying to stir them up and say we can do it you know God's with us and you know what the people the people talk about stoning them to death and then God says to Moses get out of the way I'm just going to wipe them out that's what he did. I just want to wipe him out. And God intercedes. I mean, Moses intercedes with God and says, please don't wipe him out. Even for your own sake, forgive him. You've been forgiven him all this time. Forgive him. And God says, okay, I'm going to forgive him. This is real important. Real important. Real, real, real important. God says, okay, I'm going to let him live. I'm going to forgive him. But the Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not, I'm sorry, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will see it. Y'all remember the whole time they've been complaining against God, they've been failing to trust him and failing to focus on his goodness and they've been taking everything for granted. And he's saying, look, here's the thing. If you're not willing to get focused on me and you're not willing to step out into what I've got, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to let you live and you can just live in mediocrity until you die. That's what he chose to let them do. He said to them, you're going to actually be in the desert for 40 years and, and you're just going to exist. And it didn't mean he had abandoned them because he was still there providing manna for them day after day for 40 years. He was still doing miracles. How many people know this? You can live around miracles every day and constantly take them for granted. Them have no impact on your life. That was them. And so God says, I'll still be there and I'll still be doing miracles and you won't even recognize them. 
and you're just going to live in, in miserable mediocrity until you die. That's what I'm going to do for them. But he said, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Now, here's the thing. I want you to, I want you to get this picture that for everybody who was fear-focused and wanted to back off, they were looking below and behind and they're moving away from what God is calling them to. It wasn't that he sent them to hell. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I'm going to forgive them for their sin, but I'm going to let them have, have what they want, mediocrity. Do you want to live the rest of your life like that? Do you want to just exist until you die? Or do you want to actually be like Caleb who said, man, he had a different heart. He followed God wholeheartedly and God said, I'm going to let him experience what I had planned to do for anyone who would allow me to do it. And so the reality is the same for us. If we're like him, we'll see it like he did. If you're faith focused, then you're faith focusing above and you're focusing beyond. If you're focusing above and beyond, here's the thing. As all those people were talking about going back to Egypt, here's what Caleb and Joshua were doing. Caleb and Joshua said in verse 7, I believe, um, the land that we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Now, now watch what the first thing he does. We're going to focus on the, the beyond first. He focused above and beyond. Let's just look at the beyond first. He's saying, look, yes, we see that there are giants in between and we see there are walled cities. We see all the obstacles. But what we're focused on is what's beyond that, a land flowing with milk and honey. Beyond the obstacles, there are blessings that God has promised. And the fact that they use the expression a land flowing with milk and honey means he's referring back to what God already said he was going to do back in the book of Exodus He's going to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. We're focused on the blessing on the other side of the obstacles. I just want to ask you, are you ready to start focusing on the blessing, the promises of God that are on the other side of the obstacles instead of focusing on the obstacles? He wants you to see the obstacles. He doesn't want you to be blind to the fact that it's going to be hard. He doesn't want you to be blind to the fact that you have to be conscious of the, the opposition that you'll face and the adversaries that will be against you, Right? But he wants you to focus on what's on the other side of that. Focus on the land flowing with milk and honey. Focus on that. And that'll give you the courage to move through those obstacles, right? It'll move you to where it is that God's called you to be. And so they saw the same thing. But Joshua and Caleb focused on what was on the other side of the obstacles. They focused on the blessing and the promises. How about you and me? Listen. We see the size of the obstacles and the opposition, we do, but listen, but we focus on the blessings that God has promised that are beyond the obstacles and the opposition. You know how that little 10-year-old did it? This is, this is how the 10-year-old did it. It was so cool. We stood there talking, and I just, I just said, I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine what it will be like what it will be like if you stand up and you do the right thing. I just want you to start thinking, what would it look like if I stood up and I did the right thing? I want you to just see yourself there. You know what I'm saying? How about if I'm that kid that stands up when nobody will stand up? Just picture yourself there. Let's get focused on that. 
right? With Kenneth, Kenneth and Phyllis, you know what they started focusing on? What's it going to be like when Christ United has the most attractive, energetic, passionate teams of any church on the planet? What happens when everybody can't wait to be on a team serving at Christ United because God has created an environment here that makes people love serving and love grabbing their friends to come in and be a part of it? And what happens if all that is done to the glory of God and all that is done in such a way that everybody's doing something eternally significant and they start getting their eyes on what? They get their eyes on what's on the other side of the obstacles, right? I want to ask you, could you just start getting your eyes on what it'll be like when you lose those 70 pounds instead of what it's going to be like stepping on the scale the first time and seeing the 70 you got to lose? You know what I'm saying? What's going to happen when you begin to start focusing on what it's going to be like? How about if you started focusing on what it's going to be like when all that debt is paid off and when you've got extra resources and you're able to give generously? How about if you start thinking about that? And you start focusing on that and seeing how God moves you through. And it just gives you the courage to take the first step. Cut up the credit cards. You know what I'm saying? It just gives you the courage to take the first step. Throw out the bonbons or whatever it is that God's calling you to do. He calls you to take the first step, right? And these guys, when they took the first step, they still had a lot of fighting to do, but they had the courage to take the first step. And, and God's saying, would you get focused on what's beyond? Amen to that? Would you do that in your marriage? Would you do that in your relationships or in your singleness? Would you do it in every aspect of your life? Would you just start saying, let me get focused on that? Now listen, they got focused, and, and I want to say that this is the most important part. They got focused on what was beyond the obstacles instead of the obstacles themselves, on the promises of God and, and the beautiful blessings that were on the other side. They got focused on that. And so they were focused on what was beyond, but... Most importantly, they were focused on what was above. Their focus was on God. Their focus was not on their own weakness, their own insecurities, their own smallness compared to their enemies. Their focus was on God. That's what set them apart. That was what made the biggest difference. And so, listen to this. They said, only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord, if y'all don't know what, when you see all caps, L-O-R-D, it's referring to the name God gave for himself, Yahweh, which means I am. I am is the most profound, powerful statement ever made, uttered in the entire universe when God said, I am. I am everything you need. I am it. I am above everything. There is nothing I can't do. There is no power in this universe that is anything compared to me. I am. And he's saying, I am is with us. We don't need to be afraid of them because I am is with us. Now, we see the power of our adversaries and our weakness compared to them. We do. We see it. Just like Joshua and Caleb saw it. And you see what you're up against. You see how big the debt is. You see how mean the bully is. You see how hard the task is. You see how much money it's going to cost or how much time investment it's going to take. You see whatever's there. You see it, but you don't focus down here on the power of that bully. You don't, you don't focus on your weakness compared to what it is you're up against. You focus on the greatness of God. And when you focus on the greatness of God, all of a sudden those things look really, really small. And so we see the power of our adversaries and our weakness compared to them, but we focus on the power of our God who is above all and the weakness of our adversaries compared to him. Do you realize how small that number is in your debt 
line compared to the God that you serve? Do you realize how small that number is, the, the weight that you need to lose or the step you need? You know how, you know how wimpy that bully is compared to the God that you serve? And no matter who it is you face or what it is you face, he says, you get your eyes on me and you're going to have courage and strength in the process. You know what it means is this, and I love it. When you and I recognize our own weaknesses, but we're faced on the power of God and we're looking at the, the great I am, the one who is above all, our weakness becomes the coolest thing. Paul described it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Paul said, you know, in order to keep me from becoming seated, I was given this thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. He said there was something that just kept me weak, kept me messed up. He said, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Y'all get the picture? Man, you can recognize your weakness. If you recognize the power of God, that's the perfect setup. God, I'm weak, but you're strong. Show you're strong. Show your power. Show what you can do and only you can do. With a faith focus on God who is above all and on his blessings that are beyond the obstacles and the opposition. Can y'all get that? How about if we started focusing above and beyond, not below and behind? I want my focus to be above and beyond. I want to focus on the God who's above everything and on what's beyond the obstacles instead of below where all the obstacles are in my own weaknesses and behind me. I want to focus above and beyond. When we focus, our faith focus on God who is above all and on his blessings that are beyond the obstacles and opposition, we have strength and courage to follow him wholeheartedly. That's why Caleb was able to say, look, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it, right? We can do this thing. Joshua and Caleb didn't have any doubt because their focus was on him, not them, right? Because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, God said, I will bring him into the land that he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Because God is saying to you, look, you get your focus on me and on what's beyond those obstacles, I'll do it for you. I'm going to do great things in you, for you, and through you. You just have that kind of heart. So Joshua, 40 years later, it's so cool, 45 years later. 45 years later, everybody else has died. All those people who just decided they wanted to turn back, God said, okay, I'll let you die in mediocrity, but I'm keeping this dude alive. Joshua and, and Caleb are still alive 45 years later. Joshua gets to watch the battle where the walls of Jericho fall down. He gets to watch the, the, the Jordan River part. He gets to see miracles and God doing awesome and miraculous things through that process. Caleb is looking at the land he had spied out 45 years earlier. And here's what he said. Here I am today, 85 years old, and I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go into battle now as I was then. Is that the kind of 85-year-old you want to be? Anybody besides me? Anybody besides me is just saying, God, that's the kind of life I want to live. Lord God, would you, would you today waken something in us that would get our focus off of what's below and what's behind? 
God, help us to set our focus on what's above. You, you, you are above all. Let us start seeing you as you are. And Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name that we will get our focus on what's beyond those obstacles, the promises that you have for us, the blessings that are waiting for us. And Lord God, we pray we will follow you wholeheartedly in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Christ United. If you'd like to respond to today's message, or if you want to share how God is using this ministry in your life, please send us an email to media at christislove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you.